We are extremely excited uh, to have all of you here. We're excited to start this new series called The Gospel of Christmas. You know, Christmas is my absolute favorite time of year. I love it because there's a whole season wrapped around it, right? There's the Christmas season. It's not just about uh, one day. I love everything about it. The weather, uh, believe it or not, I love this cold. It is what I was built for. Uh, I am of Middle Eastern descent, but I'm thinking somewhere in the mountains would have had to been where we came from because I'm telling you, man, cold is right at my alley. The more snow, the more ice, the more I'm all about it. Now, I realize I'm probably in the minority, but I'm okay with being the only person that's right. So uh, I also love the get-togethers, being with family, being with friends, um, just having that time with one another. There's nothing better than that. I love the decorations. I love the gift giving. Uh, That is actually my love language. I love to give gifts as much as I love to receive gifts. And let me tell you, I love to receive gifts. Um, I buy most of my gifts for myself. That's one of the complaints my wife has about me because I don't really wait around for anybody else to buy a gift. I see something I like, I find a deal, and I buy it, and then I say thank you to them for their gift to me. So, uh, and also, I found out that if I buy my own gifts, my wife feels guilty and still buys me other gifts. So it's really just a way to get more. And if we know what Christmas is all about, it's about being selfish, right? So, uh, wait, what? Just kidding. But I will tell you, I will tell you uh, that the most significant thing for me about the Christmas season is the change that we see in people, right? There is a change that we see in people. Everybody, for the most part, is a little bit nicer as long as you don't go out Black Friday shopping. Uh, everybody uh, is just a little bit warm. They're, they're more willing to have a conversation to wish you a Merry Christmas or a Happy Holidays or uh, Kwanzaa or Hanukkah or whatever it is that they, they want to wish you a, a, a great time for, Right? This time of year is the time that we experience the most hope, the time we experience the most love, the time we experience the most faith and grace and goodwill and peace. And we're going to talk about those things over the next few weeks in this sermon series. Now, these are all things that we need more of. These things have the greatest positive impact on our society. And throughout this series, we are going to look at the gospel of Christmas, right? The good news that came with the birth of Jesus. And today, I tell you that hope has come. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 7, verses 14, uh, to start out. And it says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will call him Emmanuel. Now, for those of you that don't know, this is a prophecy, uh, kind of delivered by Isaiah, maybe even directly from God. Um, we're going to talk about that uh, to, to a group of people. And oftentimes when you hear this verse, we, we mention this one verse and we talk about how, um, you know, this is the prophecy of Jesus' future coming, the prophecy of his birth. And then we jump right away, right into Luke and, and show his birth and see it was promised and here it came. But when we do that, we miss all of the context. We miss where this verse came into play. This verse, like I said, is known for prophesying the coming of Jesus, known for uh, the details kind of surrounding his birth, but it's when this prophecy is delivered that makes it so significant. It's when this prophecy is delivered that makes it um, such a message of hope because it came in a time of hopelessness for the remnant of God's people left in Judah. And so in Isaiah, what's happening, the Israelites are split, right? There's the kingdom of Judah and there's this kingdom of Israel and they're split and Israel is being held captive and Judah's where kind of the remnant is, is at and, and where they're still living. And when I say remnant, I mean like the remaining of, of God's chosen people. And, and 
there is this opposition, okay? There is this opposition, these people who decide that they're going to, to battle for Jerusalem. Those who are holding Israel captive, they're going to battle for Jerusalem. They're going to attack Judah. Their goal is to, to split up Judah, to take out Ahaz, who is uh, the, the king, if you will, of Judah at this time, and to, to split his kingdom up among them. So they're seeking to destroy the remnant of God's chosen people. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. They couldn't overcome God's chosen people. But what they could do was inspire fear. They inspired this immense fear in the remnant in Ahaz, and and, and they were terrified that their destruction was coming. And so God even delivers this message of promise in Isaiah 7, where he says, this will not take place. This will not happen. I will not allow you to be overcome. And then he challenges, this is one of the really cool passages I find in scripture. He challenges Ahaz, a leader of the remnant, to ask for a sign. He tells him, God himself tells him, Ahaz, ask for a sign. Ask me to prove it. Ask me to prove that you will have salvation. Ask me to prove that you will not be overcome. And Ahaz, hearing this from God, says, "Uh uh-uh, I ain't testing the Lord. I know all about that. I'm not supposed to do that. I will not put the Lord to test. And God's like, you moron. I just told you to do it, right? <laughs> it's one of those moments where God's like, you're not going to ask me? I just told you to ask me. Well, fine, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it anyways. I'm going to give you a, a sign anyways. And so I, the Lord, I think frustrated, comes in verse 14 in Isaiah 7, and he says, I will give you myself. The Lord himself will give you a sign. There will be a virgin who will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will call him and will call him Emmanuel. See, there will be this baby. It's going to be born, and this baby is going to be me with you. It's going to be Emmanuel. It's going to be God with us. You will not be wiped out. Your people will remain. Your lineage is not going to disappear. They will see salvation. They will see Messiah. You, you today have a reason to hope. Just like they then had a reason to hope and what they felt was certain destruction. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our hope. What I love about this story is that this message is delivered in a time of hopelessness. And I, the, why I like that, why I like that it was delivered not in a time where things were on the mountain and, and there wasn't this message of, hey, your things are going great now, but they're going to go really bad, but then I'm going to make them good again. It happened in just the absolute pit of despair when people felt hopeless, when they felt like there was, there was no possible way for them to overcome their circumstances, where everywhere they turned, they just thought, Surely this will be the end of us. Surely this will be the death of us. And in their darkest moment, God offers light and he offers hope. And the reason that I like that it's, it's offered in this moment is because I've been there. I personally have been there. Maybe you personally have been there. I have been to the place where nothing seemed hopeful. I had been to the place where I thought nothing would get better. Where I felt worthless, 
where I felt unloved, where I felt unrescuable, where I felt like this Jesus that I've heard about and who loves everyone, loves everyone, but just not me. And right before, I'm being very brutally honest, right before I ended everything, and I mean what you think I mean when I say that, right before I decided that this hopelessness is not worth living, I remembered this promise. This promise that took years upon years to see. And I felt the eternalness of hope. I felt and I knew in that moment that even though right now in this time, I want to end things. Right now in this time, I see no reason to hope. I have hope. I have hope. And I sought help. Let's fast forward now to Luke 1, 26 through 31. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. You see, that promise that was foretold to Ahaz is about to be fulfilled for the world. The hope that they had in the Lord was not in vain. See, the gospel thrives because hope was born in a manger. Hope was born in a manger. This sweet, tiny, little baby Jesus comes to earth to be God with us, knowing full well in that moment that he would die. Think about that. Christ came to this earth to die for you. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. In the pit of despair, he is here to offer hope. Let's look at 1 Peter 1.13. It says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. All right? And this is talking about Christ's second coming. So, so Christ foretold way back in Isaiah that he would come, that he would be God with us, seen at his birth, bringing the hope that was promised. And here we have yet another promise that hope will remain until his second coming. When the reason for our hope will be fulfilled. Do you hear the hope that we have? The hope that last, which not only came at his birth, not only was it predicted before he came, but it will come again. It will be here at Jesus' second coming. He will fulfill, he will, he will justify our hope in him. 
Our source of hope does not waver. It does not have an expiration. It is worthy of confidence. It is important because hope in this life is a necessity. We need hope. We need hope. All of us find ourselves in times where we desire for better, where we think to ourselves, surely this cannot be it. This cannot be where my story finishes. This cannot be what my circumstances will be forever. I need change. I need rejuvenation. I need life. I need salvation. We've all been there. And life is cyclical, so there's a chance that we will probably be there again. And we hope in all these things that waver. We hope in all these things that don't last. I need a better job. I need to make more money. I, 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 I hope for a better home to live in. I hope for uh, the ability to, to pay for groceries this week. We have all these things that we hope for. I hope that I can provide a Christmas for my family, right? All of these things, the, these temporary sources of hope that if they're fulfilled, great, but then we just have that next thing to hope for. But here we have this eternal source of hope in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This lasting source of hope. People need hope. We live in a fallen world where hopelessness runs rampant. And that's exactly the way that Satan wants it. We live in a sinful world. And we all know what it's like to desire better, to hope for change, to seek brighter days, right? We all know what that's like. And a lot of us know what it's like to have experienced that hope by giving our, our lives over to Jesus Christ, by experiencing that salvation. In this season, in this time where we are focused on others more so than maybe we are for the rest of the year. What better gift can we give them than the hope that we have in Jesus Christ? There isn't a better gift. There isn't a better offering. There isn't something that we can do for someone else that will change their life anymore. Right? We have an opportunity to make an eternal difference in someone's life. And along the way, we will do tangible things, things that help in the here and now. We'll collect stovetop stuffing so we can provide that as part of a meal for people around Christmas. We will, we will provide Christmas for multiple families in our community this year. We will do that. We just gave $1,000 to one of our, our ministry partners, Nightlight, so that they could help provide gifts for a group in our society that is downcast, that is looked down upon. Friday night, we got to share a meal with a, with a group of people that use our building on Friday nights to better their lives that are so often looked at by the church as less than. For whatever reason, I don't know because what are we all, sinners saved by grace? So yes, we have an opportunity to do really tangible things to, to meet needs in the here and the now, but we also have an opportunity to give them something so much more. We can give them water that will quench their thirst, and then we can give them water that will save their lives. Hear me on that? Hope implies that 
there is the possibility of a better future. That's why we have hope in the first place, because we think that there might be a chance that it will get better. But here's what you need to understand about hope. Hope is not a passive exercise. It's not just something that happens, okay? It's an activity. Hope is an activity, which means that we have the ability as people to choose hope, to choose hope. We can make that choice. It also means that we can help lead others to hope as well, that we can help them choose help in their times of despair and in their time of feeling like there's nothing to hope for. There is a renowned psychologist at the University of Kansas. His name is Charles Snyder. And he has spent his entire professional career studying hope. Studying hope because he sees the necessity of it. And he says that there are three components to hope. There are goals, right? What we want to happen, what we want to see get better. There's agency, which is the belief that we have the ability to to shape our lives, to actually bring about change. And then there's pathways. Pathways, how are we going to reach that change? So we hope for better. We think we can do something better. We think we can make better come about and we see a path to actually bringing about a better day, right? Those are the three things that people need in order to express hope in their life. But here's what I love about the gospel. What I love about the gospel is that it takes the onus off of us. Because it's not me that brings about better days. It is my God. It is my God. And so in those times where I can't do it, and let me tell you, there are times where I can't do it, I know that God can I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God can. And and in those moments where I have to rely on myself and I'm not enough, I don't have to be. I don't have to be. That's what the gospel says. The gospel says that you have a reason to hope. And here's the thing. There's nothing that you have to do to have your hope realized. Nothing. Believe. Believe. Seek Jesus Christ and you will find Jesus Christ. I don't have to rely on my own ability to shape my life. God is in control. And I don't have to hope in something temporary. I hope in something and in someone that is eternal. We reach this change. We reach these goals, these these better days by following the will of God. My hope in God, my hope in the gospel, it cannot be extinguished. My hope is not reliant on circumstance. My hope is in the Lord. I want you to hear that again. My hope cannot be extinguished. It is in nothing of this earth and it is not in myself. My hope is not reliant on my circumstance. It does not matter if I am on the mountain or if I am in the valley. 
It does not matter if I am somewhere in between. My hope does not waver because my hope is in the Lord. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is what? Sinking sand. Christ is that foundation on which I choose to build my life. It is where I choose to place my hope and thank the Lord that he chose to come to this earth to be born in a lowly manger, to live among peasants, to be a part of the working class, to give up being exalted so that he could instead be beaten so that he could be bloodied, so that he could be spit upon, so that he could be broken on a cross that you might have a reason to hope. Amen? Hope was born on Christmas Day, but it has existed since the creation of all things. And it will last until my death and until your death when we get to realize when we get to see when we get to be justified when we get to be renewed in the hope that we have placed in our God let's pray Lord I come to you right now and I thank you for this day I thank you that I am able to, to place my hope in you, that I have a hope that lasts, a hope that is eternal, a hope that doesn't waver, that I'm not in charge of. You have placed this hope within me. And today we live in a world that needs this same hope. We live in a world that needs you. We all seek for better. We're all looking for brighter days. We're all looking for change. For those of us that have placed our faith and our trust in you, God, we know that our hope is firmly at your feet. But for people in this world who haven't done that, They look at us as foolish. They can't see how we have hope some man we never met and some God we can't physically touch. Lord, I, I ask that during this Christmas season you make us a people who goes out into the world around us and lives in such a way that our hope is seen. May we be so bold in this Christmas season to give the gift of hope, to share the gospel that was meant for everyone in this world. Help us to be vessels Help us to be disciples who make disciples.
Lord, may we love the world around us as you have loved us. We ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. I really hope you all will stay for our fellowship after service here. We really do have plenty of food. Whether you brought something to share or not, we want you to stay. We want you to be a part of it. We want you to experience our family. Part of the hope that I have in Christ is the hope that I have in the relationships I have with each and every one of you. And so I hope, I hope that you'll be a part of that today. Right now we have a time where we can reflect and we can praise God for what it is that he's done in our lives. And we can think about the ways that maybe we need to, to be better, the ways that maybe we need to improve. Maybe you don't have that hope in your life and you want to talk to me about what it means to become a believer in Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're in one of those moments where you're feeling hopeless today and you just don't see the light at the end of the tunnel and you need to come pray with me about that. Let's take it to God. Whatever your need is today, lift it up to the Lord as we worship Him. Stand with us now and let's just praise God.